I know that we've got a lot of folks that uh, are here in spirit, and uh, and you're so you're at home and you're sitting there. You know, a couple weeks ago when Kim and I weren't feeling well, it was it was a, it was a very interesting perspective to have to sit on our living room couch watching the service on TV. I have never been in that position before. I didn't like it at all. Although I do have to say. You guys had a great service while we weren't here. I appreciate uh, Pastor Nate for stepping up and stepping in and just uh, bringing the word. And it was a great, great service. And we could feel that that came through even sitting there watching on our TV. This morning, I want to publicly declare something. I truly believe that we will see a move of God and we will see a move of the Holy Spirit. It is just a, a, a theme all throughout Scripture that when things get the worst, God reaches out and he pours out his spirit on his people and he gives them what they need to rise up in that moment. And I thought Kristen hit it right on the head when she said, God knew and you were born in this season and this time for a reason and it is not a mistake and God has a plan for us and I think it is time we rise up because I believe that he desires to do something. That's why I've given today's message the title, A Call to Arms. Now, it may be different than you think. You know, I've been stating over the last few weeks how the, the Lord laid it on my heart in, um, in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, where it talks about if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and repent of their sins, that I will heal from, he- heal from heaven and heal their land. You know, I've said many times, he wasn't talking about everybody else. He said, if my people will do these things. That's right. You know, and somehow, you know, I, I really think that there are certain things that are keeping us as God's people from being everything we can be. And one of them is we're not the best at humbling ourselves and seeking his face. We're not, we're not the best at truly being people of prayer. We're not the best at operating in the power of his spirit and, and, and operating in the infilling of the spirit that he's given us and all the things that he has for us. So this morning as I'm talking about a call to arms, I'm talking about a call back to prayer. I'm talking about a call back to humbling ourselves, a call back to being the people that we are called to be. You know, Jesus personally spent a lot of time teaching on prayer, and he also spent a lot of time praying. Isn't that interesting that the very Son of God, God incarnate in the flesh, needed to spend time in prayer? Now, part of that was being the example, absolutely, but he was one that prayed. I'm thinking if Jesus needed to pray, we need to pray a hundredfold. But Jesus also pushed his followers to pray. And we see all through scripture in the midst of overwhelming odds, God answering the cry of his people. I mean, it's a theme of a book. 
That God's people would get in circumstances and they would pray and God would move on their behalf. And that's, it's sad to say, you know what? We don't do very good in prosperity and peace. Many times it takes difficulties for us to wake up and open our eyes and get on our face before God and to call and cry out to him. And, and so no wonder sometimes God allows things to come in because it brings us back to him. I wonder how many difficulties we could avoid if we just lived a life style of prayer and getting on our face before him. Think about some of the examples. A whole nation with nothing to eat in the desert. Sure, there was the ones that just belly ached about it, right? But there was some that called out to God, and guess what? The next day there was breakfast on the ground. And here's the cool thing. Even the complainers got to benefit from the outpouring of what of those that prayed and sought God's face. Another time, on occasion, we know they were blocked by these impenetrable walls. They had they had gone in and 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 uh, they were finally had enough faith to cross over into the promised land. And they didn't go take the smallest town first. God said, "Okay, there's Jericho. There's the biggest bully on the other side of the river. Take that one first. And what they do, the whole plan was to circle and cover the thing in worship and in prayer. And guess what? When they did that, when they were faithful, what God said to do, the walls came tumbling down. Then there's the disciples. Jesus has died on the cross. He'd been resurrected and he was taken away. And there's 120 people that are like, what do we do next? We know we're supposed to wait for something, but we don't know what this looks like. We don't know what it is. But 120 people gathered and they worship and they prayed in the upper room. And then all of a sudden on that day, there came a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And there was tongues of fire that came and set on each of them. And they were all filled with this Holy Spirit. And it gave them the empowerment they needed to do the very things that God had called them to do. The bottom line is, prayer changes things as much more than a slogan. So why isn't it our lifestyle? I want to say that again. Prayer changes things as more than a slogan. Why is it not our lifestyle? Talk about one of the biggest tools weapons in the arsenal that God has given us as spirit-filled believers is the idea of prayer. And we know in, in, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus lays out what we call the Lord's Prayer. It's an incredible prayer. The, the disciples approach him and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he says, this is how you should pray. But I love what he says. We, we, we look at it as a pattern for prayer, but I love in Matthew 6, 6, right before he lays out what we know the, as the Lord's Prayer, he says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Not maybe reward you, will reward you. 
Think about this. This is a promise from Jesus himself. But so often we act like we don't really believe it. Now, my, my job today, I'm, I'm not here to, to step on toes, or to, but I want us to, to, to kind of be impacted a little bit and open our eyes and realize that this thing that we've been given, this, this tool, this privilege of boldly taking our needs before his throne is something that we don't use as much as we should. And I'm just as guilty as anybody. There are times on occasion that something happens, one of us is sick or something's going on, and we're going through and we're doing the things, and also one of us looks at the other and said, you know what we haven't done? We haven't prayed. And we're all guilty of that. But when was the last time, when was the last time you spent an hour Praying for a genuine move of God. When was the last time you prayed for God's will to be fulfilled in your life and Him to give you true direction? When was the last time you spent an hour interceding for somebody else that you know that is going through a difficult time? In all honesty, we're great at praying for our wants and our needs. Lord, I need this. Lord, I need that. Sometimes, Lord, forgive me for saying this, sometimes I think it's almost like we see God as Santa Claus and we crawl up on his lap and, Lord, and I want a pony, I want a new car. Instead of saying, Lord, as we're saying, send revival. Start with me. Start right here. Do what you got to do with me. But I love what he says before the most famous prayer recorded in Scripture. He says, when you pray. I'm afraid in too many cases today, he would have to reword that to, if you pray, pray this way. But he said, when you pray. And then he goes on, and we all know it very well. Probably most of you could quote, could quote it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. What a prayer. I mean, there's, you, you can look at that. There's such a pattern there. If you just take it a line at a time, begin to break out what it's saying, you start out with worship, and you can walk through a pattern, and it's great. I don't know about you, and you guys know that I, that I love pulling out passages of Scripture and just praying through them, pulling out things that the Spirit says to me. But, it, but think about it. In all the studies we see on prayer, we see a lot of what to do and what not to do and say this and don't say that. And, and we're guilty as people and believers of trying to boil things down to some kind of formula that twists God's arm to do something. But this morning, instead of talking about formulas or, or this to do that, I want us to focus on something that is very interesting. I want to focus on this morning on what happens when we pray. Because I think sometimes if we could grasp the reality, if we could grasp what happens when we actually humble ourselves and pray, what goes on in the spiritual realm, I think we'd be a little more excited about stepping in and praying. 
What if we could look beyond the veil? What if we had insight into what God does when we pray and what the devil fears and what causes the demons to tremble and what causes the angels to rejoice and what causes the atmosphere in the spiritual realms to change? You know, it's something about the spiritual atmosphere. But yet so many times we wonder, I wonder if God's even going to hear us or if he even cares. If we really knew what happened when we humbled ourselves, when we prayed, when we were truly seeking his face and his will and his purpose, and we understood what was happening in the, in the heavenlies, I think we'd be a little less reluctant to push things, a little more reluctant to push things off, and we would enter into his presence, and prayer would become more of a priority. So thought number one this morning that we need to get in our heads. When we pray, God will answer. A promise is a promise. And he promised. Oh, we could look at scriptures to pray through because it's full of promises. And I could, I mean, we could take the next 30 minutes just hitting this promise and that promise of, of things about prayer. But I pulled a couple out that I want us to look at for just a moment. Matthew 7, 9 through 11. Jesus makes this statement. He says, or what man is there among you who is, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts, give good things to those who ask him? In Mark eleven twenty four. We're probably pretty familiar with this. Therefore, I say to you, once again, Jesus talking, whatever things you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. We have these promises. And there are many others that we could talk about that show the powerful and effectiveness. You know, the scripture tells us that the, that the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. But there are things that can, how many know there are things that can block the effectiveness of our prayers? I'm not going to get into a long list, but right after the one I just read, the very next verse, Jesus says this, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. But boy, when we get it right, when we humble ourselves, when we've cleansed our soul by laying the things out before the Lord and letting him wash us new and afresh in his blood, all of a sudden, our prayers are powerful and effective. So we must ask ourselves, we really need to examine ourselves, which is what I'm trying to accomplish this morning. Do we really believe these things? Do we really? If we do, why do we struggle to pray? What is that barrier? Do we believe in it, but somehow let other things crowd it out? 
and push back what can truly believe the most productive time of the day? How many know that prayer can be one of the most productive times of the day you have? I'm telling you, during the, the season that all this stuff has been going on, this has not been a fun time to pass their church. And I talk to everybody I know that are, that are pastor friends, and, and they're all, we're all facing many much the same issues. You are in your families and all these times and all this stuff that's going on. But there is something about, I can, I can be having this time of, of kind of difficulty and emotional stuff going on, and I can get through, I can go and shut myself in and have that prayer time with God, and, and guess what? Stuff on the outside does not look that different. But when I step out of that time with him, my perspective is different. My peace, my countenance is better. And we need to remember, we have an enemy that doesn't want to see us on our knees before him, before God. Have you ever noticed... Make a determination. This is going to be my prayer time and a hundred things will get in the way. The phone will ring. This will happen. If you call me early in the morning, I've really gotten to the point that, that I just sit there and silence my phone. It's like, you know, my, my phone can be silenced for long enough for me to spend time with God and then I'll deal with whatever pops up. Because if I don't, isn't it interesting, though, how that we can think of a hundred things that just have to be done right then? We need to realize that we have an enemy that does not want us to be on our face before God. Guess what, though? God will keep his promises, and he does respond to our prayers. Yes, sometimes we pray and the answer is an immediate yes. Sometimes we pray and the answer is a no. Sometimes we pray and he says, not quite yet. And we may struggle with that, but how many of you that are parents know what it's like to have to give that answer to your children? Yes, I, man, I, right now, let's go do that. Or no, that's not such a good idea. I've got a better idea for you. Or maybe, oh, that would be fun, but you're not quite ready for that yet. How many know that our Heavenly Father sees us and knows those things about us? But there is something about when we pray according to his will and his purpose, there is something that happens when when our heart is set right and we're praying towards the right things of God and we have that moment that we're praying and we're calling out to God and our will aligns with his will and we're praying the right things with the right heart for the right reasons and all of a sudden, boom, it's as if heaven opens up. And things happen. I have literally had those moments, in all seriousness, where I have prayed something and, and used a certain wording in my prayer. Not that it's some formula, but just something I say. And I have seen right on, I mean, literally moments on the heels of that. 
something happened, and in the process of the prayer being answered, somebody repeats back to me basically what I just said to the Lord. Talk about confirmation that that prayer was heard. Think about those. In those moments, we can have an incredible moment. But we never have those moments if we never get on our face before God. And we never pray according to His will. So secondly, I want to talk about something. I want to talk about knee warfare. When we battle in the Spirit... Sometimes we get in those situations where it is flat out war. And we need to know how to fight in those moments. It's been a long time since I've heard it, but just out of the blue, I was working on this and I thought of an old, old Petra song. Yes, I'm dating myself, I know. But they had this song that's called, Get on Your Knees and Fight Like a Man. I thought, wow, that's, that's so right on. That's so where we're at. The next, very next line is, you'll pull down strongholds if you just believe you can. There is something about knee warfare. You know, I've been saying that we need to keep, we, we keep trying to fight this spiritual battle that we're in on a earthly level. We think that somehow politics are going to turn or not turn this nation and all these things we face. But if we would get back to the idea of truly understanding where the warfare is and what's going on and begin to pull down strongholds in the spirit, we'd see much more happen. Ephesians 6.12, we all know it. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness in this of this age, against spiritual Hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. But yet we would all say prayer changes things. But it's got to become more than a slogan. It must become a way of life. You know, last week I kind of alluded to Daniel's prayer. I just kind of touched on it briefly. But Daniel prayed in a spiritual battle waged on a nation's behalf. You know, isn't it interesting how that we can be facing a situation and we come up with all kinds of strategies to fix the situation? Yet so many times we don't make spiritual warfare a part of it. See, guess what prayer does? Prayer gives us new strategies. Our prayer takes something that we're doing and it's almost like it's the wind in the cells that propels what we're, what our efforts to new levels and new heights. You know what? How many know that in, in battle, you're not going to take much ground storming the castle, so to speak, with unloaded weapons? Pretty soon, somebody on the other side is going to realize, hey, they're not shooting back. <laughs> then what do you do? Do like you see in stupid people doing movies all the time where they take the gun and try to throw it at somebody. 
Prayer is our ammo. Prayer is the weapon that we can use. Talked about Daniel. The situation was that that the the children of Israel had been in captivity in Babylon, and they'd been in captivity for quite a while. But they had a new king. King Cyrus came along, and he was a little more. positive towards the Israelites and he began to let some of them go back and begin to work to rebuild Jerusalem and many of them went back and many of them were a part of that but also many of them stayed Daniel was one of the ones that stayed behind because Daniel was approaching 90 years old at this point so I can just picture he's like you know I'm kind of a little too old for this but you know what he did He began to intercede and pray for their nation and the homeland, as was his practice. He did this long before this moment came along. But we know that he would open the doors, as Scripture says, and he would pray towards Jerusalem. And Daniel began to pray. You know, how many know that it doesn't matter how old you are? You may think, well, there's just not much I can do for the church anymore. Yes, there is. You know, Lillian McDaniel that's gone on to be with the Lord. I love that precious lady. She she would come into church in her walker. And there's a reason that part of the reason there's a ramp on the prayer chapel out there is because she would come in in many Sundays on her own. While worship was going on, she'd make it back in here for the sanctuary. But while worship was going on, she would go into that prayer chapel and she would shut herself in and she would be praying over the service that God would move in the service. Boy, what if we had people that got back to that idea and that heart? Now, I'm sure Daniel, as he prayed for the nation, I'm sure just like us, there were moments that that God just gripped his heart and he poured out and interceded. And I'm sure that there was moments just like us that he went to pray and he wasn't feeling a whole lot in the moment, but we do know he was faithful. But we also know that for there was a three-week period, there was 21 days that this thing got a hold of him. And he began to pray and intercede for the nation. He talks about how that, matter of fact, he went into what we call, refer to as a Daniel fast. He just said, you know what, I'm going to give up all the, the, the meat and the stuff that, it, and it's just going to be vegetables and some very meager stuff. And for 21 days, I am focusing on God and I'm asking. And can you imagine, I mean, we're talking three, full weeks don't you know that had to get old at times but he persisted it was important to him it was powerful to him and he pressed on and he finished it and the interesting thing is it must there must have been times it seemed like not much was happening but meanwhile what we don't what we find out later is that in the spiritual realm the moment he started praying stuff began to happen for 21 days he did not physically see much happening but there was stuff going on there was a war that it broke out in the in the spiritual realm as he began to pray 
And after the 21 days, Daniel gets a visitor on the riverbank. Verse 12 and 13 of Daniel chapter 10, he says, Then he said to me, talking about the angel, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your gods, for your God. Your word were heard. And I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now, we're not talking about earthly kings and princes here, because we know that Michael was an angel. There was a spiritual battle that begin to take place from the moment he began praying. And here's what I want you to understand. He wasn't seeing a whole lot of results with his eyes during that 21 day, but he kept persisting. He kept praying. And as he was doing so, things begin to change in the spiritual atmosphere over where he was at. All of a sudden, strongholds were pulled down. All of a sudden, the, the, and the battle prevailed and was won. And it may have taken 21 days, but he got his answer. I can just imagine. Can you just picture what's going on? The enemy thinks he's got it all under control. He thinks he's got, I mean, I just picture this, this dark cloud of oppression, just the, the difficulty and the things that are going on. And Daniel begins to pray. Daniel sits his heart. He humbles himself and he begins to bombard heaven on behalf of the nation and the people around him. And things begin to shift. <laughs> and, and, and the angel comes and they, there begins this battle and this thing's going on. Then the reinforcements come and, and things can happen. And all of a sudden, what was this dark, oppressive thing that was going on, there began to be a shaft of light and things begin to shift and begin to change until those strongholds were tore down and God began to move on their behalf and things begin to shift. Here's my thing is, we may sing, this is how I fight my battles, but is it really? Is it really? When we take these battles, when we try to win solely by earthly means, all we can do is put a little scratch or dent in it. But when we take it to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we humble ourselves, and we pray, and we get serious about it, Things begin to shift. Things change. We can do great damage to the schemes of the enemy. We can push back against. You know, we talk about the gates of hell not prevailing. And somehow we've developed this mindset that gates are offensive and the gates are attacking us. <laughs> gates are a barrier to keep the enemy out. So if we're at the gates, then guess who's got the upper hand? We do. You know what we've got to get better at doing? We've got to get better at calling out on that name. We've got to occasionally say, you know what, this is worth pulling out the big guns. You know what one of the big guns is that we have? And we all hate it so much. Prayer and fasting. You mean don't eat? 
You mean maybe doing like Daniel did and just doing enough just to sustain yourself and it not becoming this? How many of you are already checking out now that I threw that word out there? (laughs) Oh, trust me. I like me some food too. Sometimes we've got to take things. Sometimes there are things worth taking that extra step. And part of that is we need to realize the importance of dropping a name. I mean, it's kind of cool, isn't it? When, when you can make a phone call or you can do something. You know, if I just drop this name, then I'm friends with so-and-so. It's going to open some new doors for me, Right? We've been given the name above all names that we can drop. And yet too often we don't. Luke 10, 17 through 20. I love this story because Jesus had called his disciples together and 70 of them and he had sent them out to the community around and he had given them authority and God began to do things and things began to happen. And it says this in verse 17 through 20. Then the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. I mean, think about the spiritual insight that was there. I, you know, Jesus is talking about that, but I love what he says, where he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. I'm about to wrap up here, but I want to I just hit that moment, hit that for just a moment. Think about lightning. Lightning, did you know that lightning bolts hit the earth? Eight million times a second. Eight million times a second. I'm sorry, 100 every second. Eight million daily surges, excuse me. It heats the atmosphere up to 50,000 degrees for a fraction of a moment. 125 million Bolts of elect, uh, volts of electricity are generated just in one lightning flash. A lightning bolt travels at 90 miles per second. Picture that in the concept. In that moment that Jesus described that he saw, our enemy made the move to rebel against God and that fast he was a smoking crater on the ground Jesus said I mean I just picture him in this crater smoke rolling up and him being what just happened that's our enemy but that's the power that our Lord and King has and Jesus said I saw that 
Basically, what he's saying here is you have not yet seen the fulfillment of what the fullness of what can happen if you ask for something in my name. There's power there. We must get better at name dropping. Because the name of all above all names is the name that we can take to battle. Think about the people in the Old Testament that, that prayed and saw something happen. They didn't have that name to drop. Think about how God must see it, that we call out to him, we call on him. Don't you know that he's looking at us and he's saying, you know, that is my son that I allowed to gruesomely die for their sin just so that they could, by his blood, have access to use that name. And so don't you know when we use that name with the right heart and a right attitude that it brings results? 1 John 4, 4, 1 John You are of God, little children. You have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Oh, it doesn't mean that the enemy won't challenge us. But God will move on our behalf. So what is our response? We've got two choices. What is our response? We either intercede or we surrender I don't know about you the more I look around there is something that is rising up in me and saying you know what I'm not going to give in to everything that's going on around me I am done placating or playing or playing it safe I am ready to rise up and to do what needs to be done and to get on my face and to call out before the Lord Deuteronomy 32, 30 through 31 says, How could one man chase a thousand or two put ten thousand to flight unless their rock had sold them, unless the Lord had given them up? For their rock is not like our rock, and even our enemies concede this. We have so much more. You know, there's a passage of scripture where Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir had had gathered together and they were attacking Israel or preparing to. But Elijah was the prophet. And and, and, I'm sorry. And and they began, and so there was this situation. And there was, they were talking and there was this, and and the, the nation had this prayer meeting. And as they begin to pray, God begin to move on their behalf. God gave them the battle plan and they stepped out. See, we are told to watch and to pray. I want to read this real quick. Second Chronicles 2017. You will not need to fight this battle. Prophets, a man by the name of Jehazel was, uh, was given a word, and he said this, You will not need to fight this battle. Position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O, o Judah of Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Amen. 
There was another time that all this stuff was going on, the battles were going on, and, and the uh, king was making plans to, to come in and uh, attack. And Elijah the prophet, whatever the king was planning, the Holy Spirit would speak to Elijah and say, they're going to be going here and trying to do this. You avoid this area or, or be there. And so, I mean, the king was frustrated because he couldn't pin any of this down. I mean, again and again, he even makes a statement that the stuff I say in my private bedroom Somehow they know. He thought he had a spy. Finally, somehow, somebody said, you know, it could be this Elijah guy. And so they begin to, to look at that and they begin to talk about that and, and face that. And, and here in this moment, it's so interesting how that the situation happens and in the you can see that Elijah has this servant and and one day he gets up and he goes out and I picture him getting ready and going out and he he's going to get the morning paper and he bends down and he picks it up and he looks up and he realizes oh Syria has surrounded us we're in trouble so I just picture him running in this panic and talking to his master, and he comes out and he says, it's no big deal. Don't you know there's more for us than are against us? Then the famous word, 2 Chronicles 20, 17. I'm sorry. Yeah. All of a sudden, he begins to say, don't you know? And he prayed this prayer. He says, Lord, Open the eyes of my servant. And all of a sudden his eyes were open. And he sees chariots of fire surrounding. And there truly was more far than against. Boy, can you imagine what would happen if we could truly pray if we could truly pray that prayer, Lord, open our eyes. Let us truly see what we're facing. Let us truly stand up and be who we are. You know, we're told to watch and pray, but how many of us spend more time watching than praying? I'm going to conclude with this, and then we're going to pray. Acts chapter 4. God had used Peter and John to do this, to be part of an incredible miracle. The beggar had been healed. I mean, he was walking and leaping and jumping, and everybody knew that this miracle had taken place. But yet, because they preached in the name of Jesus, they were arrested. And they were brought before the leadership through the Sanhedrin and all that, and they were being grilled, and they were told, and they were threatened never to speak again in that name. But I love in Acts 4, verse 29, what happens. When they left that moment, they didn't... Because to me, I see a picture of what we're facing in the world today. They didn't go back and say... Well, guys, the party's over. 
We can't do this stuff anymore. We've been told no. I love what they did. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Isn't that what we need today? Don't we need to kind of rise up? Because guess what? We're living in a time where threats are being breathed against us. You can't say those things. And if things continue going like they're going, it won't be long till there'll be an effort to say, to control what is said in churches. It already happened a few years back where there was a pastor in Houston that the, that the city tried to make them, make him to turn in his notes for what he was going to speak on in advance. And he basically said no, ended up winning a lawsuit. So don't say it can't happen here that these things might not. We may face some of those moments. And we can say, well, this party's over. It's a good run. Lord Jesus, come back soon. Or we can stand up and say, you know what? Lord, you, you see their threats. You see the time and the season and the atmosphere that we're in. Lord, give us more boldness. Stretch forth your hand. Pour out your spirit. Let signs and wonders begin to follow those. You know, we're told that they, that they will follow those that believe. And let us begin to walk in those things and rise up. At some point, we've got to ask, Lord, we need to get on our face before him. We need to do battle in the, in the spiritual realms. We need to say, you know what, enough is enough. We've got to be the men and women of God that we're supposed to be. We've got to rise up. We've got to speak things into being. We have to tear down strongholds. We've got to get on. We have this power. It's been given to us. But are we going to use it? I used a word a while ago that we all hate. Fasting. And I've been really praying, Lord, how, how do we respond? What do we do? And I've decided starting tomorrow, we're going to do a 21-day fast. Now, I'm not talking about it has to be straight up just, you guys don't eat for the next 21 days. I'm not saying if God calls you to that. But here's what I've set up. If you go to the church app on your phone, if you click on the middle button down at the bottom that says events, you'll see a picture of some armor and it's called Call to Arms. You will touch that. There are 21 full day slots that are available. Pick one. Oh, you can pick two or three if you want. 
But what I want to do is I want to get all 21 days covered. So right now, there's one spot per day. Once that's filled up, I will open it up for more people to be on the same day. But what I'm challenging you to do is to fast at least one meal on your day and spend that time praying. If God calls you to do more, you can do a a Daniel fast, you can do a full fast. Like I said, you can do it for multiple days, but I'm just asking that we get 21 straight days covered and we pray. We pray, pray for the church in a move of God. We pray for our nation and the spiritual atmosphere in our nation to be shifted. And we pray for those among us that we know that are hurting and facing difficulties during this time. But it's a challenge to truly put action to what we're talking about. So I challenge you to pray. I'm looking for 21 people that'll take one day. I purposely haven't picked one at this point because if there's a certain day that seems to be difficult to feel, I'm going to take that day. And actually, I'm probably going to be doing 21 days of at least one meal. How many know it's time to get serious? It's time to do the battle that we can do. Because if we don't, what are we waiting for? How difficult does it have to get before we wake up and shake ourselves and say, Lord, you see the threat. Stretch forth your hand. Move on our behalf. I want to challenge you to do that. Those of you watching online, we'd love for you to be a part of that as well. Like I said, if slots are full, I will open up more. But how many of you today that are here would raise your hand and say, I will commit to make, taking a day? See your hand. Yes, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. Sometimes we need to do that. Let's get serious. Father, we do come before you today. But we see the seriousness of what we're facing. Lord, at some point, we've got to get on our face before you. At some point, we've got to get serious. Lord, I ask you to move. I ask you to touch. I ask you to pour out your spirit and to do an incredible work. Let us do warfare on our knees change the atmosphere pour out your spirit do an incredible work we ask you to do this we humble ourselves before you we give you praise in Jesus name amen amen God bless you thank you for being here today